weeks later, it's like, hey, I plugged into the meat socket of that is love. Welcome to Scape Chats episode 36. My name is Alan, and I'm here with a bloodthirsty Brins hound that goes by Magellan. Mm. This week, we're going to be discussing season 4, episode 1, Crichton Kicks, which was written by Ach. David Kemper, directed by David Prowse. <laughs> Dick-erected. Yeah, let's try again. Let's try a little sentence again. <laughs> Dick. Dick- I was like, no, I'll stick with it. No, it's not directed, it's bad. Directed by. Oh, I can't. I forgot. Ron the... Jeremy. This week we're going to be <laughs> this week we're going to be discussing season four, episode one, Crichton Kicks, which was written by David Kemper, directed by Andrew Prowse, and it aired June seventh, two thousand and two, in the United States. John, we got a setup here going on. Yeah, we do have a setup. Now, you at home may be wondering, a setup? What could that mean? It's a setup. Is it a setup? No, it's a setup. Let me explain. We're physically in the same space. We're looking at each other. We're looking at each other. We have a small TV tray table kind of thing with two laptops and two swivel arm microphones pointed right at our faces. This is hopefully the new normal. But this is the new way that we're going to do things um, for the rest of forever, maybe for at least for a little while, uh, because Magellan's home and we can do shows in person. And why wouldn't you when we can do things like this? Hey, and then you gotta like do it's like a sentence situation <laughs> like you gotta oh oh all right ready here you yeah. go and hey listeners how are well <laughs> you can be just as awkward <laughs> as you were on skype it's great you don't even know how to do improv games oh goodness folks uh we started season four of farscape we're here we're in the new land now um and as predicted nothing is different <laughs> um i don't know if that's true i think they're are some things that are different i will definitely say that i liked it a lot a lot mm-hmm. i had a lot of fun with this episode i guess nothing's different in the sense like yeah it's a season premiere where there's some stuff happening and it kind of is getting undone and blah 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 i more mean nothing happened in that we said in the season three recap oh i bet you they're gonna undo all this one episode and we were totally on point yeah. uh and they did it in a pretty good way which is they just said hey what if we just jumped ahead like a lot several months maybe we don't even know exactly how long um, cause this is only like two, three months after the season mm-hmm. three finale. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I like where they're taking it. I think the time jump is good. I do want an explanation of what happened during the time jump, like a brief one. Um, but like seeing Crichton with the beard and just immediately back on top. of things. Yeah. I mean, happen. I mean, what do you have questions about in the time jump? I think the only, I'm wondering about Aaron, but I'm sure we're going to get to it. That's like next episode. Probably. Probably. And then Dargo wasn't there. Right. Well, we know what Dargo's doing. Oh, I know what Dargo's doing. Oh, he's doing. on his quest. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's in the comics, apparently. By the way, I found that out from someone recently. Uh, that they 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 like do the like here's what Dargo is doing between three and four. Oh, really? In a comic? Because remember, there's like the three Dargo comics, like Dargo's mm-hmm. Lament, Dargo's mm-hmm. Dinner, Dargo's Dessert. <laughs> Those are the three meals. So, do they? Is it established in the show when he comes back? Like, by the way, I was back there doing this. Or I would hope so. I okay. don't know yet. And the comics are just elaborating on it. Probably. Okay. I guess uh, we'll know. Yeah. If and if and when we end up reading the comics, or like when when Dargo comes back, actually more specifically, uh, I just also wanted to know like how did Crichton go from like lost and out of fuel to on another ship on Elac, the other uh, Leviathan. That's a. I think that's a good question because I don't know off the top of my head. That's how I judge whether questions are good or not. You, I think he was just picked up. Yeah, I think it can really be as simple as like he was there for a while. He got lucky, got picked up by a really, really old Leviathan named Elac. Who was there Elac. to die? Yes, in the burial ground. Um, and then a lot of this episode is about them and about um, him reuniting with some of the crew, specifically mm-hmm. Chiana and Rigel, and Jewel. And Jewel, I forgot. Jewel was there. Yeah, I was Jewel there. I'm pretty sure Jules Jewel was there. probably there. I'm only. Oh no no no! She totally was because she like yeah. melted some steel beams. The only reason I'm not sure is because I don't remember her and new character being in the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, whoops! We it's been a little bit. It's been a while since we watched these episodes. It's been a while. Um. So I'm gonna do a control F for Jewel. <laughs> <laughs> Computer. 
Dargo Pilot and Ranty and Jewel do not appear in this episode. Jewel's not hey. in it? No, because what's her face? Sakozu okay. is Jewel. In they... my memory, I'm mixing them up. Yes. It's, it's a hidden memory. Uh, thank you for bearing with those <laughs> listeners. Uh, yeah, no, because they introduced Sakozu in this in this episode. Um, the very cool new character who's going to be with us until the end. Uh, I liked her a lot. I think she's interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. She's just kind of another character who's going to yell at people. Right. Which isn't the biggest plus yeah. in my mind. But she's got a different background. The whole idea of her um, having this explicit ties to leviathans and like she's got book knowledge she's tied to this kind of criminal element she's from the scarin territory which is something i didn't even i wasn't sure if there were people who lived in the scarin territory who weren't scarins so that is something that i'm glad is there um because we had so many characters that were humanizing the peacekeeper domain and not doing so with the scarin domain so that's great but again it's just like Ah, it's another character who's like frustrated and crazy. Grumpy, yeah. Yeah. Not as cool as my real favorite character who was introduced in this episode. Who's that? Is that Elac? No, it's no, the, no, no, the, no. the new pilot. It's... <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you talking... Who are you talking about? I'm doing a hand motion he where is... I'm like doming my hands and shaking them around, which is supposed to be a DRD. Oh, my God, 1776. <laughs> I think it's 1812, right? Because it's the 1812 overture. Yeah, you're right. 1812 is amazing. Eighteen twelve might be the best thing about this whole episode. Yeah. If we're being honest. Because they have been like... You can tell as soon as they introduce DRDs on the show that, like, you're supposed to think DRDs are cute and cool. And I do, but there's none of them. They're just the DRDs. I've never been emotionally attached to a yeah. DRD. Except the one that died in that one episode, in, uh, I think it was Fractures, where it, like, stayed behind in the room that blew up. Yeah. But even that was, like, I knew that DRD for two seconds. Come on. Yeah. I want to see 1812 make it to the end. And I think he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, very exciting. I love 1812 and his his amazing little minigun powers. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, such so funny like the use of that song is really odd and uh creates that kind of weird juxtaposition but in a way that makes you very fond of that drd and actually lends a kind of emotional weight to what's going on because at first when it shows up and Crichton's working on whatever he's going through the halls like uh Oh, I'm forgetting the tune to the 1812 overture, but he's doing it. He's a crazy weird man. Ha ha ha. This is so funny. It's yeah. It's very like at the end. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. So I'm gonna cry. It's because the thing is, like that song, like so much classical music can be utilized. It's like any and all music, really. Like if you contextualize it differently, it works in different ways. Um, because at the beginning, it's like, oh my god, he's going crazy. This is so weird. And I had just a few months ago at this point seen V for Vendetta for the first time mm-hmm. and that new movie uses that song poorly because that movie is like we're gonna blow up the house apartment dun, 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 and it's supposed to be like triumphant but that movie's also trash oh mm. shit whoa yeah I don't like V for Vendetta very much and so then I was like oh hey it's that song again but then again at the end when Crichton is like working on or like redrawing all of his wormhole stuff and it's like oh shit this is like inspiring like I'm way into this um I will say first weird thing I noticed though was that this show is in widescreen now, which you yeah. were telling me like, oh, there was something weird. And I didn't notice why it was weird, but like this is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they finally made the jump. Yeah, I never. I don't know what it is. There's something about that that standard definition to widescreen that I never noticed the switch consciously. Like I always, it always affects my brain where. I'm thinking, oh, this looks different. What's going on? All the costumes are odd now, but it is that switch to widescreen. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing happened when we watched Buffy. Buffy. The unreleased Buffy Chats podcast. That doesn't exist. And other shows. Like every show. Yeah, from this period. This specific year, like, does that jump to widescreen. That's why, like, it's also interesting to see shows. We're just talking about, like, video effect stuff now, but, like, uh, shows that came out 
after that was established, like around like 05, 06, like Lost, that pilot made a big deal out of like, it's in HD because basically everything was in HD at that point and the mm-hmm. rest of the show was. But then now it's like, oh, wow, they're still in that weird transitory period where they thought it was like a big deal that it was in HD yeah. or in widescreen rather. Because yeah. um, it's like there was standard def, then there was widescreen, and then there was like high def. Right. And now it's like, you know, we've gone there. Were, there. there were some shows in the early aughts that were still standard def, right? Yeah. yeah. Even after... Like Farscape here is switching in 2002, but I feel like I feel like they're comparatively late. You think they're late? Maybe. Isn't Scrubs Scrubs starts in standard definition? Yes, it does. Didn't that show start in like 05? Did it? Well, it's a network thing, honestly. Yeah, like Comedy okay. Central definitely yeah. is like a cable channel, so they um, they were on NBC, I think, or one of those. Was it really originally? It was on Comedy Central. Or something like that. Uh, well, yeah, networks and, and cable stuff, they all do that different. Like, they did it at different times, and they forced it on different shows at different times. Yeah, that's true. But it is, it's just a weird thing to notice, because it's like, oh, they have way more real estate to use now. Yeah. Makes it, all the shots feel a lot more wide. It's one of those fun things that, when you're watching old shows, you notice happen to multiple shows, kind of like the writer's strike. Yeah. If you're ever watching shows, what was that, 07? 06, 07, yeah. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Uh, any show that spans that gap, it's like, oh, there's this weird season in the middle where yep. it's half as long and all the episodes yeah. are bad. Lost again. Perfect yeah. example of that. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things that are just weird because it's a new season, we got widescreen. We also have Crichton just has a beard again because whenever mm-hmm. things get weird, our boy gets a beard. Yeah. And he was shaving it off and it was like made of... Yeah, it was it like looked mud like a, poop or something. Yeah. It looked like, uh, oh, the things, the Chia Pet. It looked like he was yeah. a Chia Pet. <laughs> He's like unchia petting yeah, himself. He's yeah, he's shaving off his chia. He, yeah, he grows a good beard, but then he shaved it, and then they're like, "Why are you shaving?" I love that. That's a really weird exchange. Like, <laughs> why are you shaving? He's like, "Oh, here's the, obviously I'm shaving because I figured out wormhole technology." You're like, uh, "What? <laughs> Why does A transfer to uh, B? Yeah. at all? Like that's very strange." That was a play. I I really liked Rigel in this episode. He was very playful. Yeah, they're doing more stuff with Rigel, and especially <laughs> when he doesn't like. He's not angry about anything. Like he's just in it to like yeah. You know, see I love where things it. Go. I love it when he's forced into a position of being sensible. Yeah, that's kind of the best. That's the that's best a good Rigel stuff. Uh, before we get too deep into this episode, I want to talk about the fact that the title sequence. That was the next thing on my notes. Oh, Woo! do you want to do a new reading of the new title sequence? Yeah. Listen, they. I had gotten used to and forgotten how annoyed I was by the echo voice effect yep. in the old ones. Yep. I'd even started to think by season three that it was a good idea. Yeah. It's not. No. It's It was bad the whole time. Right. It's like so cheesy. Wow. Right. And you're no, just no, like, no, the, not like, that thing? Not that thing. The thing that they did a little bit in the early seasons and then in season three they went overboard where it was like, my name is John Crichton, an astronaut. Oh, like, like it's like the sounds second like two people are talking. Like, oh, yeah, my know. friends, these people, my friends. Yeah, that thing, which thematically works in season three, I guess, because right. he's cloned. Right. Sure, but I, it's just—I also don't think they planned it to be like that. That's probably, not the reason probably not. Um, but it was super cheesy, and here they were just like, nope, straight down the it's barrel. Dumb. This is going to be a good version of it, and I agree with my hypothetical envisioning of the writers' room. <laughs> it's a nice room in your head. Uh, I have it in front of me. Do you want me to read it? Yeah, please read it. <clears throat> My name is John Crichton, an astronaut. Three years ago, I got shot through a wormhole. I'm a, I'm in a distant part of the universe aboard this living ship of escaped prisoners, my friends. I've made enemies, powerful, dangerous. Now all I want is to find a way home, to warn Earth. Look upward and share the wonders I've seen. Way better. Way better. Way better. It flows better. And it also. also doesn't have that weird repetition at the end yeah. of uh, the blank I've seen, the blank I've seen. Yeah. That bugged me too in yeah. the season three. It's one. like weirdly repetitive. Yeah. Or unnecessarily repetitive. Yeah. I think back in season one, I felt that this show th- didn't really have a theme song. Mm-hmm. It was very ambient. Um, and then the chanting, obviously, which became yeah, our theme song. It didn't really catch me. But this, for some reason, it feels like, yes, we're getting into the episode now. Yeah. I could show somebody this opening sequence and they'd be like, show me the rest of this episode. I'm yeah. hype. I'm psyched for this. It's it's exciting. I don't know what it is. It's, just, it's partly that part of like, all I want is to find a way home to warn Earth. You're like, oh shit, what are we yeah. warning Earth about? Like, mm-hmm. what's going on? Um, 
because season three's title is, is like very ambiguous it's like wait like wonders i've seen but there's also horrors like what i don't even know this is like very directed and like hey here's what it's about fucking let's go let's do it i just closed the wiki i have no uh thing to read anymore uh whoops uh but no yeah the other thing i was going to talk about was uh this episode is really fun it's shot it starts with a fake out followed immediately by the introduction of a yet another character who is fleeing from something Sakozu, mm-hmm. uh, because she's fleeing from the people like the pirates of this episode who she worked for is that how it works yeah i think the idea i don't remember the exact point but the idea was she was gonna get them leviathan stuff so they could do they could do the scrapey thing scrapey thing you know what i'm talking about where they like scrape the yeah. like, juice off the side of it and make like yeah. candy out of it or something and then she gave them schematics that were like so good that they didn't need her anymore yeah yeah and so she's running away because they were like oh we're just gonna kill you since we don't need you anymore and she's like no i want to live mm-hmm. she's smart it's it's sort of like how jewel came into her own as like you're kind of smart and you have like a skill that the crew needs it's like sakozu knows like mm-hmm. a specific thing really well uh and i just kind of like age-wise uh kind of put her closer to chiana than i put jewel like jewel and chiana are like close enough but it's like mm-hmm. uh, i would actually maybe argue that sakozu would be younger than chiana just because she's like yeah. kind of like fresh out of college like just you you could say like if you want to do equivalents like uh, this is her graduate thesis like you know like she's just like i studied uh yeah. you know leviathan goop for a year and a half mm-hmm. um but like the thing that i was going to say about her introduction is that that scene is her talking like the first one where she's introduced is like 10 minutes of her going like I need to learn your language. I love that. I know. Yeah. I adore it. She's like, I need to learn your, it's like, find it. But she's like, I need to learn your language. Like, well, how does your alphabet work? And it's like, this is like a character who's running from something and it's about communication. Like these guys get it. They know what the show is good at Mm -hmm. and they're just doing it from like the minute we start. Mm -hmm. And it's like, again, like exciting. And you're just like, oh fuck, this gets it. I'm I'm in. I'm good. It's great because it's a really playful sequence. John as a character gets to come out a lot because he's often he's often depicted as being separated from other characters because of the way he uses language in terms of his references his aphorisms uh just the way that he talks separates him and so instead we have a sequence where we're reminding the viewers of the rules of the world that there are these things called translator microbes and this is how they work um and so there's some clarity here as well about how translator microbes function more support for the theory that like you hear someone else what they're actual the sounds they're making and the microbes translate it right for you in your brain um but making clear that like you're still hearing the sounds yeah. and you can still kind of push past what the microbes are saying to just listen to the sounds. So the actual untranslated so sound there you go there's that well um, also just the reason she's asking for that is because she says my brain cannot handle translator microbes yeah, or so she, not for extended periods yeah, of time. Yeah. She's yeah. like, I have a little bit of it, but, but like, like I need to, you brain. have to tell yeah. me every. You have to give me your vowels and your. It's like cool. It's mm-hmm. like hey, yeah. give me the fundamentals of your language real quick. Yeah, it's the best alphabet scene since uh, Vampire's Kiss. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> They're gonna say like um, uh, the Count from Sesame Street. Oh, that's a good one. He does numbers, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he does, he's not a. Was it Vitruvian man? Like <laughs> the guy who's good at everything? Yeah. yeah, a Renaissance man. Yeah, Renaissance man. The Vitruvian, Vitruvian man the was dimension. drawn by a Renaissance man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And then yeah, she says like, "I must learn your language through hearing it." This, the name, the word, and she's pointing to the gun, and he goes, "Oh, Winona." And it's like, "No, you." <laughs> it's gun. It's like the, it's gun. My pulse pistol. She's like, "More, more words. They'll be here soon." He's like, "Module, workbench." box tools <laughs> bulkhead it's just like like throwing out farscape terms uh i love that scene is like one of the best yeah i i questioned why that helped her yeah i guess um is the idea that she biologically can just learn language really quickly i think that's what it was i think that's what's going on but then like it's not like she ever uses the word bulkhead right i don't know what is that yeah so throughout the episode the microbes are still working for her uh that's just a thing yeah. that they but they made it a fun sequence so i'm, I'm not yeah i forgot about it you know? yeah so i have scorpius written down in my notes does Scor- is scorpius in this episode i think there's a a dream he's the beach he's at the beach why are they at the beach it's john's dream beach 
where Aaron's there. Oh, because no. He goes oh, there oh, to with escape the pregnant mentally. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's... That nice little visual reveal of the pregnant stomach. That's a good. She's like lying on yeah. her side and you're like, damn, hottie. And like all of the straight guys and not straight other people out there are like, oh, shit. Oh, whisk. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. And then the people who like pregnant women are like, oh, shit. <laughs> it plays on. It visually is playing on this weird discomfort that at least I have. And I think other people may share it with like sexualizing pregnant yeah. women. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To make you feel uneasy and to add to the like dream like quality of what's going on. It's almost Lynchian just to be like, oh, you yeah. thought that was attractive, but she's also pregnant. Do you still think it's attractive? What? Yeah. Because it's, it's not, it's not explicitly making the judgment, but right. it's putting you in a place where you're having this interaction with the visual medium where it's eliciting a response and you are actively, yeah, you're actively engaging with yes. it and feeling, Ugh. That whole sequence is really strange. It goes a lot of places, but I also want to talk about the, the weird, like, Scottish pirates that attack them for this whole episode. <laughs> um, basically, there's not much to say about that other than they're all really loud and Scottish and they have really great gun designs. I will point that out for sure. Um, and their whole plot to, find, to like, stop them is, like, he runs into Sokozu, then he finds Chiana and Rigel... And uh, he, they like concoct a plan. It's actually kind of cool the execution of it, where it's like, hey, all of the pirates are over here, and there's like a bunch of pipes, and like one of them is gonna blow up if we shoot it. Mm-hmm. Another one is gonna suppress the explosion so it doesn't kill Elac, and then like another one is gonna like blind them so that we can leave. And we have to shoot them in the right order. And so the way they do yeah. it is, we learn that Chiana's like uh, premonition powers are getting more difficult and like lasting longer, and they hurt her a lot. They so blind she, her. Yes. Well, by the in this scene, they blind her like completely, mm-hmm. uh, and and she's blinded during them. Yeah. Uh, and so the way she, they do it is she gets like hoisted up by like a a pulley system or something, uh, enough long enough to see it and slow down time, um, so she can see exactly where they are. And then she tells them, and then Crichton does it. But of course, it goes wrong, and she falls, and he, it still works out, but like not mm-hmm. the way they wanted to, which is. Very far escape. Big shout out to that sequence in this episode for bringing back two things that I think we mentioned in the recap. One of them, the premonition powers Mm -hmm. and showing us how they work finally after they've been around for half a season. Right. I think that was definitely a conversation in the writer's room where they went, guys, she's had these powers for 12 episodes. We haven't done anything big with them yet. Yeah. What do they do? Thank you for the the far escape. Second thing is we got the nice... Uh, bat guano pit. Yep. Excuse me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love that bat poop. And yeah, yeah we also know now that uh, every Leviathan has it. Because mm-hmm. John, when he falls in that scene, falls right into the poo poo. It just looks like dark water, though. They don't make it look like poop enough. Yeah. <laughs> I need. I need. To, I need it to really have like smell lines and everything. Uh, there's a theoretical Terry sighting actually in this episode. Oh, Terry, our, our yeah. sweet, 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 Let's sweet, the, sweet, sweet boy. The bumper for Terry sightings. And that was the bumper for Terry sightings. Um, which I was like, shit, I have to edit this. Yes. Why did I do that to myself? Um, when John uses a cloth to wipe his face while shaving, it's technically Terry. But we're on another ship, so it's not my Terry. Hashtag not my Terry. Uh, it's not the original. The original is in Rigel's room. I'm going to break this glass. Um, it was not Terry. I can't drink after saying something like that and not continue. Terry's great. I love him. He's great. Uh, then there was that really good discussion where Sokozu like killed the guy outside and was talking about currency. I loved that where she's like, oh, this is Scarin currency. Like, and they're like, why do you have Scarin currency? And she's like, cause I'm from Scarin extended territories mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And they're like, you know, we have currency separately. Like, we were talking during the finale, the dog with two bones, like how does capitalism work in space? Um, and it works the way it works in most sci-fi things where just every controlled area has a different currency, mm-hmm. but they're all, I like that they're all coins. Like, it's just like, hey, you have Scarin coins, and they're, like, red with a dragon on them, and, you know, you have uh, whatever the our gang has, like, credits or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, of course, she's not actually a Scarin. They have a moment in that that scene where he's like, oh, Pip, you think she's a Scarin? And it's like, no, dude, she's not a cool <laughs> lizard not. lady. She's like, I am Kalish, and we hate the Scarins, but I did grow up in their territory. Kalish is a good name, by the mm-hmm. way. Uh, but speaking of Sokozu, the other thing that we find out, like, a little bit earlier in that scene... Um, is that she has a superpower just like Chiana yes, does. She does. <laughs> it's so, it feels like a cheat code. It's like this power shouldn't be this 
this is you're gonna break something. You're gonna break my logic with this at some point. She can change her center of gravity, which shouldn't do that. Yeah, that it all it shouldn't do what she's able to do, which is walk on walls and ceilings. Yeah, yeah, it should just be like you weigh differently in different parts. And you yeah. can carry the rest of your... Like, maybe she can say, like, I put all my weight in my feet. Then it's like, how did you lift them? Like, how would be how would being able to walk on a sideways wall... How would shifting your weight, your weight be able to do that? Like, bring it up to the... I really did think about the mechanics of this while watching it. Yeah, it just doesn't... It's just a nonsense phrase. Well, also, yeah. What it means is she can, like, walk on walls. That's really what it means. But, like, technically being able to shift your gravity could mean you could fly. Like, put it in your head. Yeah, could she you just, just fly away? Yeah. <laughs> Given that she could, like, go up to the yeah. ceiling. It's kind of, Or, like, she has magnetic movement powers. You could kind of see it as. Yeah. I don't know. I think they're going to get into it at some point. Or it's going to be, like, a Dargo tongue thing and we're just never going to We're going to see it, like, it once again. in a blue moon and yeah. it'll be like, oh, cool. That's it. Or Zan's fucking camouflage power. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Zan's. Yeah. <laughs> also, she's a plant. Don't forget. Yeah, R.I.P. Plant mom. <laughs> Um, this episode also the other thing they do in that like besides killing the pirates is killing their dog, mm-hmm. <laughs> which they do. It's like a cool dog. That's an animal logic dog. Fun fact. Mm. Uh, it's like a really good the CG in this show definitely bumping up. Yeah, um, the effects were way better this episode. definitely, and uh, they get it out by like putting it in an airlock room where you can like there's no you can like put your hand through and and stick your hand out into space, but the elac has like a protective invisible shield of gravity mm-hmm. that they can pierce selectively so they like get the dog to jump through it and then like shoot itself out the window but then they also like tether down so that they don't get knocked out mm-hmm. very cool stuff going on oh yeah because the dog was like hunting them yeah yeah the and then yeah. Crichton does the like hey check me out boop, 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 <laughs> like smacks his butt and you're like Crichton please <laughs> this is great um and then yeah there was I think he like kicked something and then they said Crichton kicks and I laughed at that um Let's take it to the Moy Bag real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, lovely scuppies, and welcome to the Moy Bag for the first episode of Season 4 of Farscape. We're going to start off with Twitter again, right into it. Here it is. It's... With the memo. She says, My fave, my fave, holy shit. My categories. I have a different definition of essential than you guys. My essentials are episodes you have to see to understand the plot, plus deaths, not necessarily the good ones. Essentials, Season of Death, Wait for the Wheel, Thanks for Sharing, Incubator, Icarus Abides, Wolf in Sheep's Clothing, Dog with Two Bones, Highlights, Fractures, Revenging Angel, Green-Eyed Monster, Great to Decent, Relativity, Different Destinations, Scratch and Sniff, Eat Me, Eye Inch, and Everything Else That Doesn't Suck, and Lowlights, Sons and Lovers, and Losing Time. Dark Horse is being Meltdown in the choice, but we knew that, so people can go ahead and judge Omens for those choices or not. Uh, quoting us saying, This episode is so full of itself. This sort of not being able to laugh at itself thing isn't usually my dig. I feel you on the, if you won't laugh at yourself, I'll laugh at you deal. But bae, bae. Uh, I'm assuming that she she is in fact referring to the choice. About your predictions, I was sad and then I cried laughing because accuracy and the baby will f- end up floating in space like his or her dad. The sheer ridiculousness of that, Magellan could not be more right and also more wrong. Uh, referring also to the fact that I mentioned that Dargo wants to be a cool uncle someday. Maybe that will or will not happen. Who knows? I think there was a second part to this memo that you didn't send. I think you sent the same memo twice, Omens. So, uh, but if that's all of it, then that's a really good one. Thank you very much to Old Is Your Omens. Um, I'm not doing the bumper twice. Angela Scrangela! My name is Angela! Hey, hello! Says Season 4 brings Farscape to the widescreen finally which we most definitely spoke about in this episode, either before or after this Moya bag. Uh, so there you go. Uh, we also got two emails. One's a brief one from uh, a person named Catherine who says, Hey guys, love the show. Just finished catching up on the podcast over the past few weeks. I wanted to say I would love to hear an episode that talks about media that's been influenced by Farscape. You mentioned Mass Effect, which is probably my favorite game, and it definitely shares many of the same themes as Farscape. Also, I think you mentioned briefly how Guardians of the Galaxy pulls from Farscape, and in fact, the director James Gunn has mentioned several times in interviews that Farscape is one of the main influences of the style of the movie. It's interesting to hear your thoughts on the show, as I only recently watched Farscape this past winter after a friend recommended it, after they had finished it. I think it's awesome that the show still holds up, even though it's been some time since it aired. It really shows that Farscape is something special. And even though I'm a new fan of the show, it's really become my favorite show overall. It combines everything I love, space, humor, characters, who you can get emotionally invested in. 
Again, thanks for the podcast. You guys do an amazing job, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the rest of Farscape, Katie. Katie, thank you so much. Uh, wonderful email. Brought a smile to my face. Uh, and thank you for being a new listener. You are now part of the beautiful little clan of scuppies that we have going on here. Next up is the return of our weekly emails from Dax Static. Greetings, Alan and Magellan. Welcome to Season 4. I get what you were saying last week in your recap about not wanting to watch the last episodes of TV because they are so good you don't want them to end. I get that feeling a lot. We start the season off right with a bearded John because that was so good the last time we saw him with one. Hey, I sport a full beard myself and think more guys should as well, but really, after suffering through Jeremiah Crichton, there's no excuse on Farscape to go that route again. Luckily, it doesn't last long. We see John is still obsessing over wormholes and Aaron, starting to think mental instability is sort of an ongoing theme in this show. Which, yeah, mental instability has been a thing in the show since the beginning, but especially now with the John kind of like his brain being in so many places. We get an explosive introduction of Snooki. I mean, Suzuki. I mean... This is, yeah, I'm not even going to try to spell that one out without Google. The cute redhead. There you go. I'm surprised I had forgotten all about her until I saw her on screen. Then it all came back to me. You guys even mentioned her name last week and I recall thinking, who? But not really trying to remember since I figured there are always characters I forget when trying to recall a series. But once I saw her again, I couldn't believe I had ever forgotten. Gotta give props to the music this episode, specifically when the bad guys were shown, there was that Soviet feel to it. Really made it feel more fun. So did seeing cute redhead on the walls. And then they also talk about the, like, gravity not making a lot of sense with her whole shifting her, gra- her you know, that whole thing, you know. John reconnects with his friends, but not all of them, so we don't get a super quick fix for the separation, and we've seen in the past how long they can be separated for. So any guesses on how long they'll have to wait until everyone's back aboard one ship? Unfortunately, Dax, we learned um, while researching this episode that people are going to be back in prayer i think not prayer i'm sorry prayer is not the episode uh maybe it is there's an episode we we talked about it in the episode uh of the escape chats thing that um we we found out when everyone's gonna be back so whoopsie okay so i'm gonna end this with a proposition for you too how about doing a commentary for the next episode i'm not sure when you watch the episodes in relationship to when the podcasts are released so i hope you haven't seen it yet i have two very different feelings on commentaries if done by someone who's seen the movie or episode i love it usually but most of the ones i've heard are people watching for the first time who are too quiet because they're paying attention or when they do talk they miss things so normally i would not recommend a commentary from an intro cast but there is something very specific that happens in what was lost part one sacrifice that when i first saw it i literally said what the fuck out loud to my tv and I was kind of thinking if there's any sort of similar reaction from you two, it'd be fun to hear. I'm not going to spoil anything by hinting at what to look for. I think it'll be pretty obvious. Just something to think about. I uh, hope you enjoy the final season. After all the praise season 3 got, it might be easy to think it's all downhill, but I don't particularly think so. Season 4 is unique in its own special ways. Thank you, Dax. I will say that we've definitely talked about doing episode commentaries before. I do agree, though, that I've heard things like that, and it's not always great when you're listening to someone for the first time watching something is there if there are particular episodes that people would like us to do commentaries for like either either with or instead of episodes i guess we could do that because we record in the same room now so doing that would be a lot easier logistics wise but i don't know we we've been tossing around that idea for a while and i would like to do at least one commentary for farscape but i don't know which episode people think is good for that finally we have our reddit thread where we only got one actually parent comment which led to a lot of discussion in the comments from both me and user Leo Chris. Uh, the parent comment was from Blue Blaze Spear, and I'm gonna read this whole thing because it's, like I said, the only parent comment that we got. I thought you made up a new word with monumentous, but I googled it and it was one of the first things that came up was, is monumentous a word? To which the answer was definitely no. The trick with the episode title, Different Destinations, is that it was pulled from something Stark said. When asked what happens to people's souls when they die, he, he answers, different beliefs, different destinations. Alan, you did a weird if not slightly amusing thing when discussing the episode Scratch and Sniff that heavily implied that while you aren't down with date rape, it's something Magellan would totally roll with. And Magellan didn't say anything to object, which made it more amusing to me, but that's only because I'm functioning under the presumption that it actually isn't how he rolls. I... So this is that's the part of the comment that I replied to because I figured that I wasn't going to be recording the Moybag this week, but circumstances have led to me recording it. I didn't... Of course I didn't mean for it to sound like that. Uh, I think it's more a matter of... I am a lot more sensitive about things like that, um, and Magellan just, you know, we, we think about them differently. It's not to say that he doesn't care as much, it's not to say that he didn't pick up on it when I did. It was more that when I brought it up, he was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's a reason to not like the episode. And so we kind of, like, have that different opinion on the on Scratch and Sniff. 
I still think that that date rape plot is not very good or particularly well handled, but I like Scratch and Sip as an episode for everything other than that, so it's unfortunate. But never ever think that Magellan and I are like trying to throw each other under the bus or don't like each other for whatever reasons. He is my best friend in the whole world, and like that's just an objective fact. So if it ever sounds like I'm we're trying to like fuck each other over, that is just it's false. Sometimes we say things and we don't mean them. I don't know how much I can say about this before wandering into spoilers, but the mess made at the end of Season 3 won't be neatly wrapped up within the confines of a couple of episodes. Of course it isn't. That's what I'm saying at the end. <laughs> you guys mentioned how the show isn't afraid of letting little moments carry weight, and uh, one scene I often think of is when they give Moya Crichton his stuff that Talon John had and he picks up the coat and smells it. It's never explicitly said, but you know in that moment that he can smell Aaron on Talon John's clothing and he's done the math on what went on there. So much drama expressed in such a small way. It's a very good thing to pick up on. That's very smart of you. There are a couple of points worth noting when it comes to the ever-increasing infamy that Moy's crew is gaining. Uh, this is basically saying, like, it's ridiculous that they've destroyed so much property and yet some people still don't know who they are, but they're starting to get better at that and having people be like, hey, I'm pretty sure y'all are, like, basically terrorists. A quick note on Naranti that I'll try to keep spoiler-free. In many ways, I look at her and think, oh, this is what Stark could have been had they handled him better. There's a real question as to whether or not she knows what she's doing and about how nefarious her motives might be. I find it to be engaging. One last thing I want to mention is you guys brilliantly pointing out how the seasons can be broken into mini-arcs. I sort of want to opine what I think Season 4's arcs are, and I'd be curious to see what others who have seen it think and if they agree, in a way that is as spoiler-free as possible. For me, I'd say Crichton Kicks stands alone with its connecting tissue going back to the end of Season 3, and then What Was Lost Part 1 through Promises, then Natural Election through Coup by Clam, and then finally Unrealized Reality through Bad Timing are each their own arcs. Though it could be argued that there's a separate arc in that last one, but I feel like they all connect pretty well. Yeah, I feel like we stumbled, or I stumbled onto that point as we were discussing it, which is sometimes how the most brilliant points can come out of podcasting. But yeah, I that people can chime in what they think about the arcs of season four. Again, with trying not to spoil things for us, because we are a non-spoiler cast. That's going to do it for the Moy Bag. Thank you for listening. And I'm going to toss it back to in-person Alan and Magellan as they finish discussing Crichton Kicks. You have Irish in you, don't you? Yeah. Somewhere. But I'd like to have a little more. And we're back. Uh, we're talking about the rest of Crichton Kicks. Um, basically just the scenes that we didn't get to already. Crichton Thighs. Crichton Kicks, Crichton Thighs. Crichton w- Hot Wings with extra dip. I want KFC, man. <laughs> Let's eat something after <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, I haven't God. had KFC in a while. There's a KFC nearby uh, that we should not go to because KFC is bad for you. Double down. Yes, it's a tasty little snack-um. Callbacks to season two. Good job. Yep. Uh, I want to talk about the rest of the John Ow, the John Beach dream scenes, because um, those went some interesting places. Basically, he's talking to Aaron, and he's like, hey, we have a baby together. This is weird. And she's like, yeah, I know. It's Is it yours? And he's like, uh, maybe we should pull up the transcript so we don't talk out of our ass. <laughs> she's like, Crichton, that's very meta of you. Um. He says something about asking if it's going to come out with a little ponytail. Why? Because she has a ponytail? No, Grace has a ponytail. Oh. <laughs> of course it's not Grace. They never had sex. You literally never left them alone together. Long enough to have sex. I I mean, he probably did. But, like, it's not. It's the other Crichtons. Why are we questioning this? Why is that the thing we're worried about? Just because Crichton's crazy and he's had so much time to think about this. That I can That he's that thinking can, about all of it. You gotta imagine that he spent all of that time growing that beard and being in the ELAC, hanging out with the other pilot, old lady pilot, uh, just like thinking about Aaron and being mm-hmm. sad. Oh, yeah. Um, so he's had a lot of sad time and time to hang out with 1812 and paint him. <laughs> like paint him red, white, and blue and all this stuff and train him like a little pooch. Uh, here's the scene I'm talking about. Oh, she's like, uh, what's next? And he's like, what's left? And she's like, wormholes. And then he talks about how he has to recreate a ton of um, of the wormhole equations because he lost all of them. He's like, I don't know if I want to anymore. Like, that's a lot of work. And she's like, hey, do you, like, it's probably worth it, man. And then uh, <laughs> this guy who on the transcript is credited as buff guy, one word, buff guy, <laughs> uh, is like talking to them. And he goes, hey, babe. <laughs> and she's like thanks like he hands her a drink and then uh he goes to, he looks at john he goes who's this and then aaron's like uh and john's like no one that's in john's head he's the loser <laughs> in his own story like that's really sad uh, when you can type 
buff guy colon hey babe yeah. in a script you've made it you know that you've really made it but that like scene resonated with me that yeah. just like you know a lot of times like when you have dreams about things it's like oh you're reflecting what you truly think and like maybe you're less secure than you thought like that's obviously what so much of dog with two uh, bones was well but also if you think about something for so long there's no way that you could do think about it in only a idealized way forever i feel like there's always going to be moments where the doubt creeps in and when you play out the worst case scenario right yeah that's also the last line of the episode i should point out um which is a good that's a good way to end it what i just said is no. the last line? <laughs> yeah everything you just said no when he says no one there's like some cutting around but there's well there's like there is no talking during the 1812 like mm-hmm. rebuilding yeah. but that's the final scene the final line is no one gotcha uh so he does that and it's really sad and you're like oh Crichton like you know your your girlfriend is sad is, is sad and maybe she doesn't like you anymore and you're sad and you don't think she likes you it's just fuck and then uh what do you do when everything has you down get back to work just start again which is also a good note to start a season on yeah. he's like well we fucked up but we added we can't just not live we have to go we have places to go we have wormhole technology to rebuild so he just gets down on his knees and uh, he starts writing on the walls and 1812 They're getting better at the turn. They're always, since he, like now it's not even a question, like are they good at the transition, but uh, that was a good one. Um, yeah, 1812 also did some minigun stuff earlier, like shot some pirates. 1812 is great. Uh, oh, he's so cute. Yeah, he's adorable. He's so cute. He's my little cute little baby. Majon, do you want to read us some background information? I do. I am the background robot. And then he Simcoe Dargo does not appear in this episode. I miss him. He's my beautiful boy. Boy. Although Dargo does make a brief appearance on the Wanted Beacon. That's a big plot thing that they're all wanted for a lot of scratch Oh, yes. A lot of scratch-o for these people. Yeah, we're going to have... That's the that's the tension. That's like, hey, here's free tension for the rest of the season. As you're being chased by the best bounty hunters in the world. Very hunted. Star Wars. They're being hunted. Yes. It is very Star Wars. That's like immediately what I thought. Yeah. Coach, ba- some strong KOTOR vibes seeping through this show. Bounty, $2 million. KOTOR may not have been out yet. I think it was. Well, let's find out. You keep talking. Okay. The beach scenes were filmed at Bondi Beach, Sydney, Australia. Claudia Black scenes were shot during the filming of Promises. Promises. Which is the next two episodes? Is that what Promises yeah, is? Yeah, I think so. She was still feel also wasted. Pro- Remember that song? It's no, like a garbage techno song. Kotor uh, was July 2003, so real close. Oh, I just missed it. I gotta not reference it because that's uh apocry- not apocryphal what's the word where it's the wrong time idiosyncratic no that's not quite right that's not quite right it, it has an a anachronistic Anac- yes 10 points to gryffindor the lines Crichton shouts at the grudex is, those are the scottish mm-hmm, it is based on the real klingon language created by mark Ockrand. Ben Browder asked Mick- Ricky Manning if he could find something that roughly meant get the hell off my ship. It's, um, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to yawn during that. Uh, I love, I just love that, like, Crazy Crichton first, like, scene, new day on the set. Hey, what are we doing? Just screaming Klingon. He's like, yes. Ben Browder's like, yes, I've been preparing for this my whole nerdy <laughs> life. <laughs> so happy to get to do that. This is the first episode of Farscape filmed in widescreen. Hey. Though 4x3 versions were also created during post-production for broadcast in some locations. What that means is everything outside of the 4x3 is irrelevant. It's like flood, it's extra. Right. So we're getting bonus on the Netflix, if you're watching on Netflix like we are. <laughs> you're getting bonus blank space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, uh, I'm sorry we talk about Buffy so much, folks, but like, they were talking about uh, in like the making of DVD or something on the Blu-ray that's going to come out soon or already came out that uh, they were going to like widescreen all the episodes. But because that show was filmed and not widescreen for a lot of it, if they did that, you would just see crew like you would just see shit that wasn't meant to be seen when they filmed it originally. That's funny. Which is very, yeah, very funny to me. Uh, the opening scene where Crichton sums up his situation was added as a voiceover to explain to the new audience what was going on and help regular viewers catch up on what happened between with Dog with Two Bones and this episode. 
unlike Jeremiah Crichton, the beard Ben Browder sports in this episode is real. What? Yeah. Really? Yes. He grew it in the hiatus between season three and four and shaved it during the filming of this episode. Oh my God, so it did not look real. Not only that, but just that that was a one take. <laughs> like a, we're going to shave you. Oh Do my it right God, now. it looked gross. Yeah, it's very fuzzy and peachy. Wow. Dude, I was, I don't know if I said this at the time, but the Jeremiah Crichton beard didn't look very real either. So uh, maybe he just doesn't grow real. It looked quickly. real when it was on his face, but the shaving did not in this realistic to me yeah i agree i don't know i've never had a big beard that i have to shave so i can't grow one so whoops ben... oh, I just don't have that capability. Beards are hard. it's my favorite song elax pilot was created by jim henson's creature shop using the foam insides from the regular pilot puppet a new puppet was created for Pilot's appearance and promises. What? <gasps> Damn it. They keep telling wow. us when people are going to come back. So there's going to be a new Pilot puppet. No, Eli, this Pilot is the new Pilot puppet. No, Elex Pilot was created by Jim Henson's Creature Shop using the foam oh, insights oh, the from the one regular for... <laughs> Pilot. A new puppet was created for Pilot's appearance and promises. That, that's weirdly written because Pilot with a capital P can mean any Pilot of a Leviathan, but they're talking about Moya's Pilot. Yeah, they're talking about Pilot. Moya's Pilot is going to have a new puppet soon. Yes. Got it. The Brin's Hound was created by Animal Logic, and they spent a lot of time getting the mechanics for the creature's six legs correct. Browder enjoyed filming the scenes where the dog would eventually appear, even though he was acting against nothing in the studio. Yeah, sometimes that stuff's fun. Sometimes it's, like, super janky. Especially in like big budget films, but yeah. The end credits of this episode play the 1812 Overture, which is the song Crichton whistles periodically throughout the episode. This is one of the only episodes that do not play the traditional Farscape theme song during the rolling of the credits. So there wasn't a transition, tough guy. That's why the t- the transition was so good. That's why the tough guy was so transition. Ah! <laughs> D- <laughs> Dargo, Pilot, Naranti, and Jewel do not appear in this episode, nor does Scorpius, though Harvey does. Greza appears only briefly in the recorded message. Aaron appears only in John's visions, except for recaps. Aaron does not appear in the next three episodes. Damn it. God damn it. Appearing next in Promises. Okay, great. So now we know all this stuff about how Promises is far away and people are not coming back until then. Thanks, Farscape Wiki. Thanks, Farscape Wiki. This is the sixth and final episode of the series in which Dargo does not appear. So Dargo's Dargo will be back. He's in it for the rest of it? Yes. The previously on Farscape segment for the next episode, What Was Lost, Sacrifice, includes scenes shot for this episode that were not used in the episode due to time constraints. The entire scene was included on DVD releases as a deleted scene. Speaking of deleted scenes, before I tell you the hilarious thing that we're going to get comments about later, we're going to get yelled at real bad by the comments. Why? Uh, I'll tell you in a sec. There are... Del- Remember how we said last time in Dog With Two Bones there was like deleted scenes of everyone like doing funny stuff? That's mm-hmm. all on the like 15th anniversary DVD. Whoa, so very cool. We should pick that up. We've been singing the wrong 1812 overture this whole time. Yeah. You want to know what the actual 1812 overture is? Yeah. i play a clip of it right here. Actually, Majon, play a clip of it right here. <laughs> New York City. Thank you. It's the yeah. What have we been singing? We're like the French national anthem. Wait, I don't need. I don't know what we're singing anymore. Oh, we made it. I don't know. That's that's the. I just listened to some of it. So I was like, I feel like we're getting it wrong. I'll fix it. Thanks, man. I'll make it work. This episode introduces Rayleigh Hill as Sokozu, who, like Jewel, possesses red hair. Although she appears... <laughs> possesses is an odd it's, word there. Yeah. Although she appears in virtually every episode of season four, Hill is only ever credited as a guest star and is not added to the opening credits. That's annoying. The DRD dubbed DRD 1812 is also introduced this episode. <laughs> and not in the credits. <laughs> and becomes a regular for the remainder of the series. The main titles for this season uh, was again new with a new voiceover, different clips, and the removal of Lonnie Tupu and Paul Goddard from the credits. Uh, bye, guys. Bye, guys. Chiana's powers have changed from precognition to speeding up her perception, making what she sees appear to slow down. This leaves her blind temporarily. Spoil temporarily. 
I thought she was blind for the rest of the show. Oh, you did? Yeah. She said when she was talking to him, she's like, it makes me go blind temporarily. Oh, I didn't know that she said temporary. Okay. It sounded like that last time she did it. It was like, oh, God, I can't see. Oh, I fucked up. I think that time may have been like a little worse than usual, oh. but it wasn't temp- It wasn't oh, permanent. That's fair. This is the first episode of the series to not feature any involvement by Lonnie Tupu, given that it is the first in which neither Grace nor Pilot appear. Consequently, Ben Browder is now the only actor to appear in every episode of Farscape. Makes sense. Uh, I am happy that Lonnie Tupu doesn't have to overwork himself and play two characters every single episode now. <laughs> but he doesn't get to be live action ever again. Um, excuse me, that was Crichton Kicks, folks. Um, we had a lot of fun watching that one. I really, really enjoyed it. I hope that season four keeps up this level of quality throughout and keeps giving us these like weird little adventures. Because the way I described it to Magellan was like, holy shit, Farscape did like a, a swashbuckling pirate adventure on a ship. Like, did they didn't go anywhere. This is technically an on-ship episode. Yeah. They did all of this, like, planning and, you know, high-flying adventure. And, like, that's really cool. Um, and I think Sokozu's great. And I think the stuff that they're hinting at is really interesting. So, uh, let's hope that the next couple are also wonderful. Speaking of the next couple... Uh, where, where are we? <laughs> what is this? Our ship has brakes that sound like a car? This is weird. Is this Planet Netflix? Oh, my gosh. Wait. What's this on the ground? read it to me it says season four episode two what was lost part one sa dot 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 (laughs) wait what the this view of netflix is not wide enough for me to see the full title of the episode why don't you look up the subtitles while i read this okay what was lost part one the crew is reunited at an archaeological site, looking for a missing probe that may reverse the planet's dangerous atmospheric conditions. Ooh, I like it. They're talking about whole planet saving kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice is the Sacrifice. Subtitle. And the title for part two, why don't you read that out? Resurrection. Mm, what was lost part two? Resurrection. Dargo and Sokozu come up with a plan to crash Elac onto the Peacekeeper pursuit craft, but to ensure success, Crichton must consort with Greza. 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 I like Greza. I like already that we're pairing up uh, Dargo with Sokozu. I like everything about this. It sounds very exciting. Uh, let's do some housekeeping. Let's yeah. clean the house. Just let's do it. Er, er, er. That was me using Clorox wipes when they're very That wasn't you parking the car again. <laughs> Just really quickly back and forth. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, I'd like to tell folks that, uh, first of all, thank you for listening to Skate Chats, episode 36. Um let us know what you thought about it and send us feedback over at scapechats at gmail.com uh, or at scapechats on Twitter or scapechats.tumblr.com or if you want to talk to me, me, little old Alan, uh, I'm at Alan Ibrahim on Twitter, spelled A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M. I'm Magellan. You can find me at Just a Fluke. That's J-U-S-T-A-P-F-L-U-K-E. Wonderful. This has been Scape Chats, finding our way home. Hey everybody, welcome to the Moy Bag. It's me, John. I'm doing the Moy Bag this week. Uh, just to, just wanted to say that this is my favorite part of the show. And let me be perfectly honest, I love the Moya Bag, and the reason I love it is, ugh, you know, you can just feel it it's like crip hmm. okay time for our first letter this comes from daryl and it says dear escape chats I really love your podcast. It's my favorite podcast to listen to. I have one problem, though. I wish that you both were not you. Here's what I mean. I love Farscape because it's full of people who are pretending to be other people. That's my favorite part of the whole show. What if you guys were other people? Not other people, but just pretending. Ugh. I don't know if that was clear. Anyway, love the show. Love the show. Love the show. 